Yo and hello. Welcome back to Podcast Free Roscoe. I'm Sammy. And I'm Jody. We're wondering, do you remember Radio Free Roscoe? It's a lot of fun and it's got some teen drama. And you can too. <laughs> and, and <laughs> <laughs> so this week we're looking at season two, episode three, One Step Forward, Two Steps Back. It originally aired September 3rd, 2004. It was written by Steve Levine and Greg Eckler and it was directed by Stacey Stewart Curtis. We get uh, a guest appearance in this episode from a band, our first guest band in RFR. Oh. We get the appearance of the Mellagrove Band. So they're a Toronto-based indie rock group who are still going to this day. They've been active since 1997. Wow, and they're that's still awesome. going. So they were the first Canadian pop group signed to V2 Records. And... They were actually in a documentary that was entitled Ages and Stages, The Story of the Mellagrove Band. Uh, it was released Whoa. summer of 2012, and it includes interviews with about 40 other Canadian bands and music industry personalities, including Joel Plaskett, Tokyo Police Club, Born Ruffians, Fucked Up, The Arkells, The Most Serene Republic, and Sebastian Granger. That's incredible. Yeah. What? Yeah. So this cult band. That's amazing. Well, yeah, and pretty amazing. I mean, like over twenty years in an active band, you know, starting Mississauga, they're Toronto based and Yeah. Pretty pretty sick. So I think I'm gonna have to go and try to find some of their music now. But yeah, our first 100%. first band appearance in this very music heavy show. So very exciting. It's you would have thought it would be the the Planet Smashers, but I think I think season two is the departure from Ska, I think, from what we're seeing. I think we smash no more. Well, I saw their audition for Sound Effects, the uh, indie showcase, a little while ago. I hope this show goes better. Here's a little tip. Try tuning your guitars next time. Thanks. We open on the gang kind of near the end of their RFR broadcast, and they're listening to some like metal screamo band, and everybody's kind of cringing as, as the song ends. And um, they... The song closes out, and they say who the band is, and Lily immediately starts roasting them and, and their music and saying that they need to tune their guitars, and all the guys are kind of looking at her weird, and they kind of try to cover it, and they're like, well, you can see that band at Mickey's Discs. Like, they're trying to, like, do promotions for this band, and Lily's just, like, roasting them, and everybody's kind of cringing in her response. So, uh, the episode... So the broadcast closes out, and Robbie kind of calls her out, and he's like, you, you could have been nicer and she tries to defend herself and he comes back saying you know your first performance wasn't that great either and lily's pretty stung by it but we get a flashback of her first performance at mickey's that open mic that we saw in the very first episode and oh it's bad it it was cringy to remember it was cringy to rewatch in episode one it's cringy to rewatch now it's so sad i just i love i love the look that she she gave for that original performance too like She's doing acoustic singer-songwriter wearing, like, an oversized leather jacket. Yeah. So Robbie takes off, and Ray and Travis are like, oh, I can't believe Robbie would bring that up. You you, you crushed that show. And Lily's like, you know what? No, I didn't. You know, maybe this is my opportunity to get back out there and, and play again. And Ray and Travis both try to sort of pump her up, and then Lily leaves. <laughs> Ray and Travis are still doing this very playful romantic rivals thing where they're like complimenting each other on their like Lily moves or whatever, like the things that they're trying to say to Charm yeah. Lily. <laughs> it's a really funny kind of it's, it's a funny weird. dynamic for their relationship. Yeah, it's it's strange. You know, it's it's nice to see them bonding, but it's also very weird. Yeah. And I don't know if I want this. Yeah. 
Yeah, Travis Travis is convinced that if Lily does well, Ray's in trouble because Travis is the music guy. And Ray says, well, I am the promotions guy, which we know from the Think Pink episode. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Although, I mean, Travis helped with promotions, too. He did get that awful pixie wig. Well, get you a man abomination. who wears a terrible wig for you. Oh, yeah, that's that's the sign of true love right there. I think I'm gonna go check and see if Mickey's got any used white stripe CDs. Thought you already looked. Oh, well, you know Mickey's organizational skills. Robbie probably just checked under color, set of patterns, right? We head over to Mickey's discs, as we always do, and uh, Lily... Lily's trying to figure out the open mic stuff. She finds out that the slots are all full. So she says, you know what? Don't worry about it. I'll do the thing next month. Um, meanwhile, Robbie peels off from the group uh, because he wants to check if there's any used white stripe CDs, meaning Kim has just walked by and he wants to go be with Kim. And Lily does this very cute cover for him because they're like, I thought he already checked. And she's like, oh, well, he looked under color, not under patterns. Remembering it's a nice callback to the fact that Mickey's organizational system makes no sense. I want to um, hang out at Mickey's, man. I know we've said it before, but I just like that. That is such a dumb quirk for this place to have. The fact yeah. that like its filing system makes absolutely no sense. And I don't know why that makes it more endearing to me as someone who goes insane when a filing system does that make sense. I know. I think it just it fits so well with the general vibe of the place. Like it's clearly a place that people want to go and just spend hours at anyway. Yeah. So you have time to kind of peruse everything. <laughs> but we, we get... I think the cutest um, Robbie and Kim interaction yet. They're both like looking through CDs and they're back to back. And Robbie kind of like leans and talks over his shoulder at her. And he's like, the crow flies west at dawn and takes her a second to catch on. But he explains that he's doing like spy talk. We're spies. So she like (laughs) comes up with like a little fake code to say back to him. And they, they do this little like fake pass off bit where it's like he's giving her a microchip and he hands her like a little like gum wrapper over his shoulder and he's like, I have to leave and makes a dramatic exit. And she unfolds the gum wrapper and it's just a note that says you're cute. And oh. it's it's adorable. It's so sweet. These 14 year olds, honestly, between this and Ray's like candlelight dinner, they they treating their dates better than I've ever been treated. No. <laughs> they are sweet boys. Ray and Travis, we get to see a bit more of their rivalry. As it turns out, Mickey's going to put Lily on the bill. He says, you know, we've always got room for somebody who can put butts in seats. Uh, I mean, yeah, good kid like you. But we all know, like, you know, it's Mickey. He Mickey's loves there Lily. to make money. I, I really want to see, like, in the middle of somebody's set, Mickey on his megaphone, just, like, shouting <laughs> at somebody to, like, stop loitering. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, the dulcet tones of, of an open mic at Mickey's. Or you yeah. like doing like a cute little acoustic set and he's like, hey, get out. But yeah, it turns out that Mickey's got a spot for her and Travis and Ray are immediately like jumping in to see where they can help. Travis says, you know, I can help turn your basement into rehearsal space, which all right, <laughs> I guess like from his endless stores of radio equipment or something. Also, and, I, I think your parents kind of need to approve that. Yeah. Yeah. Travis is also a contractor, a secret <laughs> contractor. Um, and Ray says, of course, he'll handle PR. And Lily's like, you know what, guys? This is my first show back in a while. Maybe we shouldn't let everybody, we shouldn't just let everybody know. And that, it's the opportune moment for Parker to pop up. 
and she's immediately hyped about Lily doing open mic, and she basically yells at the whole cafe that Lily Randall's doing open mic, so you should be there. The, <laughs> the more like, oh, Parker fuck. scenes that we have, the more I, I realize how much she was your style icon, because I, you yeah. you have Parker's <laughs> hairstyle right now. I do. I do. I yeah, I think it's it's always been Parker Haynes all along. You know, since it's my first time back, maybe we shouldn't tell everybody I'm doing open mic. Whoa! You're doing open mic? Cool beans. So at school the next day, uh, Parker's now kind of starting to join the crew a little bit. She and Lily and Ray are walking along, and Lily officially introduces Parker to Ray. And Ray shows off his beautiful new posters he's made. There's, there's a crowd hanging around in front of them in the uh, endless slew of posters that, you know, constantly paper the hallway. There's a new handmade poster that Ray's been distributing for Lily's show. And Lily is clearly, you know, still pretty reluctant. She's like, oh, this is awesome. Cool. And then Travis shows up. And again, we get a uh, Travis and Parker meet, supposedly for the first time. But it turns out Parker spilled her juice box on Travis once. And there's a very cute little back and forth with that. And Travis says he's somehow gotten, like, somebody from an indie record label to come to the show. And so Ray and Travis are clearly just trying to outdo each other, totally disregarding the fact that Lily is visibly uncomfortable with all of it. (laughs) And has has not asked either of them to do anything. Yep. Meanwhile, we get the, the classic kind of inner turmoil that Robbie's dealing with because, you know, he has these cute moments with Kim outside of the cougar radio world. But then, you know, we get a Cougar Radio broadcast where Kim goes off on a rant about this alternative showcase that RFR is putting together because all the bands are no name and they're garbage because they're not popular and Kim doesn't like them. And you can see Robbie kind of like contemplatively listening to the broadcast and just being kind of sad. He likes Kim, but they still clash on a bunch of stuff. And of course, he makes it the topic of the day when we go to RFR later, basically being like, what I'm is the deal I'm with Kim? <laughs> Pretty much. He's just like, what's wrong with Kim Carlo? <laughs> like, And everybody kind of piles on and talks about how, you know, she's just kind of upholding the status quo and she's not giving new musicians a chance. They're all like, well, excuse us for, you know, letting people try stuff and trying new things and, and all of that. And, excuse me princess but kind of near the end of the broadcast uh we see travis gets a phone call that he's pretty excited about so when the broadcast closes closes out he tells lily he's like i've got i've got good news and bad news you know the the rap that was supposed to come to the show can't make it and lily like very fakely is like oh geez that's well, the show oh, no. like, and he's like but even better i got like the next step up i guess in in the label and she's like oh god <laughs> And then Ray very similar similarly is like, well, same thing here. Your posters got taken down by Waller. And Lily's like, oh, geez, I guess that's fine. And then Ray's like, but it's fine because I bought a bullhorn. <laughs> and now Ray's got a megaphone. And he's just kind of like shouting into it in like their, their little like, studio blah, space. Blah, 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 blah. And then he stops and he's like, it's loud. And it's, it's so goofy. I think so, he needs to uh, he needs to go to the Barney Oscarson School of Responsible uh, Megaphone Technique. There's a lot of megaphone use in this show. There is. How accessible it's, it's are megaphones? It's the industry. It's the manufacturing industry of the place, I tell you. <laughs> I, I don't know how many times in my life I've seen somebody use a megaphone. Yeah. And we know Roscoe's a very small town. Like, I, I think that's got to be their export. Yeah, it 100% is. 
I also love in this scene, poor Lily's just trying to drink some Gatorade. She's got like a bottle of Gatorade or something, and these boys keep making her spit take with all of their over-the-top gestures. Just let her drink her Gatorade. Just let her get her damn electrolytes. She's so stressed from you guys. Oh my god. Well, if you get nervous, do what I do before I have to read a passage in church. You think of everyone in their underwear? Oh, you've obviously never been to my church before. Ray and Travis are, again, at school following Lily around being like, Look at Lily, we're doing all the things. You are, like, ready to go. And Lily's like, great, awesome, I'm so excited. And, uh, you know, she's she's wondering if she's going to be ready. And Ray says, do what I do. I picture everybody as monkeys, because who doesn't love monkeys? And Lily's like, hey, remember, remember that traumatic time someone from the zoo came to our school and a monkey jumped on my head? And Ray's like... Oops. <laughs> and Travis is very smug about it. He's like, ooh, good job, monkey boy. Which is a, a better insult than we've seen from Ray, who has called Travis Banjo Head in this episode. So we can add yes. that to the lexicon. But then we've got Robbie and Kim meeting up in the hallway. Uh, Robbie calls her and he's like, meet me in the hallway outside Cougar Radio. And then like taps <laughs> her on the shoulder because he's already right there. It's very cute. And she's like, I don't want to deal with this right now, Robbie. And she tells them that question mark is ruining her life and that they're just jealous because she's popular and everybody knows who she is, but they have to hide their identities. And she gets mad at Robbie for defending question mark. And as she walks away, he's like, I'm not. I'm defending myself. So dramatic. He's so not subtle. Oh, my God. I made it this far. Yeah, there's still like the hallways are constantly crowded. There's still so there's so many people around. And there would be a lot of eyes on them because, like, the whole, ooh, Kim Carlisle kissed a ninth grader thing is, like, the big scandal at the moment. God. Yeah. I don't even know. These these kids. These uh, kids. These kids. So then we pop over to Lily, who is rocking out in the, the music room, which, again, is not a music room. It's just a classroom. There's nothing acoustic about this music room. But she's she's rocking out and she's, you know, kind of practicing for her set and it's going well. But then she kind of like deflates. It's like, let's see if I can do that with other people watching. And then Parker comes in and um, says, well, you, you know what you got to do? You know, you have to please yourself first before you please other people because you wrote those songs for you. And the crowd will just feed off your energy. But if that doesn't work, you know, just just do the two little monkeys song, which is a, a callback to this like weird in-show song that I couldn't believe was not a real song, but it's the, yeah. this like little kid song that uh, we heard Waller sing in the detention episode. Um, but yeah, one of his top faves. One of his top faves. But that's Parker's advice is to do it for herself. And if she feels like she's bombing, just go to a sing-along. It'll be fine. It'll be a-okay. And we'll, I guess we'll see what happens in the next half of the episode. We sure will. So in this week's CanCon commercial break, we've got kind of a, a cult classic Canadian piece. We've got Are You Afraid of the Dark? Are You Afraid of the Dark initially aired from 1990 to 1996 and then had a second run from 1999 to 2000. It aired on YTV and Nickelodeon and it was produced uh, and joined by Cenar, Wildbrain, and Nickelodeon. 
So CNR did the original run, the, the 1990 to 1996 run. They're a company that's based out of Montreal, focused on kids' media. Um, they worked on things like Mode of the Vampire, and they also did the French and English dubs of a lot of anime and foreign pieces. Um, specifically for our dad, they did the English dub of Ultra 7. Oh my god! Which is absolutely wild. Um, but, you know, I'm going through this company's Wikipedia page, and, you know, I, it's kind of like the standard, you know... History, you know, blah, 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 <laughs> that kind of sections. I wasn't prepared for the next section to be scandal, but it was. <laughs> so here's an excerpt from the Wikipedia page. Oh, the success no! of CNR ended in March 2000 when an internal audit revealed that about $167 million Canadian was invested into Bahamian bank accounts without the board member's approval. CNR had shit. also paid American screenwriters for work while continuing to accept federal grants and tax credits for the production of Canadian content. The names of Canadian citizens, generally non-writers connected to CNR, including Caress's sister Helene Caress being one of the founders, were credited for the works. While the province of Quebec did not file criminal charges, CNR denied any wrongdoing, choosing instead to pay a settlement to Canadian and Quebec tax authorities of $17.8 million Canadian and another $2.6 million Canadian to Telefilm Canada, a Canadian federal funding agency. The value of CNR stock plummeted and the company was soon delisted. Over oh a decade God. later, these scandals would result in criminal charges, convictions, and prison sentences for co-founder Ronald Weinberg and chief financial officer Hassanane Panju, among two other suspects. Holy shit! So you know what the fuck, dude? <laughs> Man, I remember the logo for CNR. Right? Isn't that... Yeah. Oh, and yeah, it's, it's now the cookie jar group, I yeah, guess. Yeah, so they, they eventually got purchased in 2004 by Nelvana, uh, led by who else but Michael Hirsch. This, Michael this Hirsch. man just does everything in Canadian Kids Media, and it got renamed Cookie Jar. And then eventually they got acquired by DHX, which is, as you'll remember, the Decode Halifax Film Company merger. That is absolutely insane. <laughs> that's, that's wild, man. And then uh, Wild Brain worked on the revival of the show in 1999 to 2000. And Wild Brain is actually the rebrand of DHX. So it all connects, baby. It's all one amorphous blob. So the series itself was created by DJ McHale and Ned Candle. Um, DJ also worked on Flight 29 Down, which like, God, I wish Flight 29 Down was Canadian because I love that show. I love I to remember. talk about it. Didn't that have Corbin Blue in yeah, it? Yeah, it had Corbin Blue in it. I remember you were super into that one. Oh, Wasn't that was, like, it was kind of like Lost or something, but yeah, with children? Yeah, it was like <laughs> Discovery Kids Lost. Yeah. <laughs> and it was great. It was so dramatic. There were just all these teens trapped on an island. Oh, damn. Figuring out their shit. It was great. Yep. I, I, I feel like that one would age the way RFR does, where the acting is good enough and the characters are strong enough that it's like, okay, no, this is so fun to rewatch. That's, yeah, let's hope. And then Ned Candle was an EP on Swan's Crossing, which was an early Sarah Michelle Geller vehicle about a bunch oh. of bunch of rich kids. And uh, a lot of the series was directed by David Winning. So David Winning was born in Calgary, Calgary represent, and directed for shows like Sweet Valley High, Breaker High, Goosebumps, Naturally Sadie, and Stargate Atlantis. Uh, also directed Turbo, a Power Rangers movie. Um, you know, everybody's favorite sequel to Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, which I have seen <laughs> and is a delight, but uh, Turbo was not as well received, having a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, um, damn. 
But, you know, he's he's adapted since, and some of David Winning's recent works include A December Bride, The Mistletoe Promise, Engaging Father Christmas, Falling for Vermont, Finding Santa, Winter's Dream, and Marrying Father Christmas. Oh, hell yeah. Give me that saturine Christmas rom-com sludge. <laughs> it's all I want at all times is that good, good white bread sludge. So both series of Are You Afraid of the Dark revolved around a group of teenagers who refer to themselves as the Midnight Society. In every episode at a secret location in the woods at night, one member would tell a scary story to the group. Each storyteller would begin their story by saying, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. I called this story, and then they would say the story's name. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. I called this story. The Tale of the Midnight Bride. So Mikhail wrote the line submitted for the approval of as a nod to The Twilight Zone, in which creator Rod Serling would, after introducing the episode, say, submitted for your approval. So that's kind of, it's kind of acts as like a, you know, kids horror anthology series, but it's got that mm-hmm. framing device um, around it of these kids literally telling stories around a campfire, but it's like this whole secret society, you gotta be in kind of thing. Yeah. So the theme of the stories usually revolve around a variety of paranormal phenomena, such as demons, ghosts, magic, haunted houses, magical curses, aliens, witches, vampires, werewolves, and the like coming into contact with average youths. So yeah, kind of like fun, spooky, spooky show. Um, Looking at it now, like if I had watched this as a kid, it definitely wouldn't have scared me that much. But all I can remember vividly as a child was the promo for it on Family Channel. And even just like when it would be like, coming up next, are you afraid of the dark? And it would be that creepy shot from the opening titles where it was like that like blue cast night with um, the swing like the kids swing in a park, just swinging back and forth. Oh. Scared me so much. Like I was terrified of Are You Afraid Aww. of the Dark? And like yeah. looking at it, I'm like, this isn't a very scary show, but it's just that <laughs> intro that made it so scary to me. Yeah, I think I, I do remember the intro being pretty creepy because I don't think I ever watched Are You Afraid of the Dark? I read, like I read, like I was reading like R.L. Stein and stuff like that, but I wasn't watching shows like Are You Afraid of the Dark and stuff like that. So going into the cast, so each series has a different group of people in the Midnight Society. Um, the, the OG cast had people kind of coming in and out of it. But in total, uh, the characters you had were Gary, Betty Ann, Kiki, Frank, Tucker, Samantha, Kristen, David, Stig, and Eric. And then in version two, the, the series that ran in 1999, you had Quinn, Megan, Vange, Tucker, and Andy. So Tucker's the only one to return in like a main capacity. So I won't go into all of these actors, but I I did read into a couple of them just to see, you know, any interesting credits. Um, Tucker was played by Daniel DeSanto, who, you know, has credits on shows that we talked about before. He did voice work for Braceface, for Monster by Mistake. He was also Carlos on the Magic School Bus. Oh, Carlos. Carlos. Awesome. uh, (laughs) By one of the most delightful discoveries that I made. He was also in the film Gooby. Gooby. <laughs> Gooby. Gooby. Uh, Who did he play in Gooby? Uh, it said Crane. So I don't know if there's a character named Crane <laughs> or if it's that terrible CGI thing that happens. Oh my gosh. He just plays a construction crane. Or he's like, he's sitting in a construction crane. He's just way in the background. You can't see him. <laughs> Some other interesting connections in the cast, you've got Rachel Blanchard as Kristen. Um, she was Cher in the Clueless TV series. 
She was in a couple episodes of Flight of the Concords as Sally. She had a, a recurring role in Seventh Heaven, and she also plays Kitty in the Fargo TV series. You've got uh, Joanna Garcia Swisher as Sam, who played Vicky in Freaks and Geeks. She's also in a ton of other shows, Party of Five, Reba, and she played Ariel in Once Upon a Time. And you've actually got a lot of um, actors throughout here that also were voice actors on Arthur. Um, ah. Maybe the most interesting of which is Jody Ressler, uh, who spells it the same way I do. So shout out to you. Uh, she played <laughs> Kiki in the original um, Are You Afraid of the Dark? And she voiced Francine from 1996 to 2019. Holy shit. Yeah. That is a long Did time to voice. run. Yeah. That's so wild, too, with Arthur being like, a kid's show. But I mean, I guess that's the mark of a good voice actor is I'm always amazed when voice actors can retain the same character voice for decades. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the show itself was filmed in Richmond, BC and in the greater Montreal area of Quebec. Um, when I was reading about it, uh, I just ended up scrolling through the IMDb page. And of course, you know, since this is an anthology series, you've got a ton of people just in bit parts. So I just kind of scrolled through to see like, what, what kind of, um, you know, guest stars have we got on here? So some people on the show include Jay Baruchel, Bobcat Goldthwaite, Gilbert Gottfried, Hayden Christensen, Tia and Tamira oh. Mowry, Neff Campbell, Ryan Gosling, and of course, my favorite, Kyle Downs, a.k.a. Larry Tudgman from Lizzie McGuire. Yes, that's incredible. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, a, a fun dive. I, you know, I watched some some episodes and some clips for for this so i didn't see everybody's episodes i did see the tia and tamara mori episode and uh it's pretty fun awesome so in terms of petitions yes there's there's a few petitions um this one is from 2002 and it's called bring back are you afraid of the dark tv show <laughs> and then again all caps in the description bring back this classic show for all my kids my age to watch a lot of people in my school like the show and maybe your school is like that too all my kids my age. <laughs> I'm time. I am a time Travis. I'm time Travis. There's another petition that's specifically just to release season six and seven on DVD. And then we've got this one, which I believe is still active. Um, are you afraid of the dark? But for adults. Is anyone else tired of our childhood nostalgia being gutted? You get goosebumps, scary stories to tell in the dark. And are you afraid of the dark are all the same thing. Scary stories come to life. It's not original and a poor representation of what we remember. I think it would be pretty amazing if Nickelodeon brought back the original cast of the Midnight Society to tell good old campfire stories, but for adults, directed to the generation who grew up with it. Sign the petition and let's make them get it right. Oh my god. My god. All, the, all these millennials are starting to sound very boomery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, oh... You you know what Are You Afraid of the Dark for Adults is? It's horror movies. Yeah. They're yeah. They just, uh, clearly they need the wraparound device of like, you just need to put somebody, uh, like people around a campfire at the beginning and at the end of a horror movie. And that's the story. <laughs> <laughs> like the whole market is for you, my guy. Yeah. Go watch Hereditary and fuck off. I need my goddamn campfire scene. <laughs> I need my framing device. But any any other calls for a reboot were met um, on February 14th, 2019. It was announced that the series itself would be revived for a miniseries to air in October Whoa. 2019. Um, and then February 19th of this year, it was renewed for a second season. 
So oh, shit. it's it's back. Um, as far as I know, it's it's the same formatting. You've got a new Midnight Society uh, featuring Rachel, Akiko, Gavin, Graham, and Louise. And yeah, it's been critically well-received. Um, yeah, apparently a very successful reboot so far. I haven't actually uh, gone cool. through and watched any clips of it. But there it is. It's back for a new generation without the the 90s filter, because I will say, going through and watching some some clips and episodes from this show, it's cheesy. It's cheesy. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> it's gotta be. So I'll jump into some reviews. Um, this one says, Nostalgia at its best. It's so hard to find shows or movies that are in the middle of too grown up, PG-13, and too babyish. This fits right in the middle and is perfect for the 9 to 12 year range. Spooky, but not too spooky. The episodes are interesting and, while dated and occasionally cheesy, they're fun to watch. This one, I believe, these are from Common Sense Media. I believe this next one was written by a 14-year-old. And it says, Good show overall. Had five seasons with about 13 episodes each. Not that scary of a show, but maybe on par with Goosebumps, but definitely less scary than The Haunting Hour. But not a good show for you if you don't like hearing sorry because they are Canadians a few times every episode. Also, oh my sometimes God. the actors don't have any emotion. They are wooden. But still, it's a good show. Most of the time has cheap scares, not much real violence, because he can't kill off in Nickelodeon shows, etc. Sometimes has good slash okay role models. Okay. Um, and then this one's titled, Well-written campfire stories are creative, but lack the violence expected from horror shows. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Most people who like horror anthologies for over-the-top death scenes will find the show extremely disappointing. <laughs> no shit. It's a fucking kid's show. It's your market. I want to see those teenagers die. <laughs> for those who are willing to pay attention to a somewhat slow 24-minute storyline will be rewarded when they watch this show with something truly enjoyable. And those who grew up on the show should still enjoy it today, as it definitely does not feel like a kid's show. But since this is an anthology show, there's nothing more I can say here. What? <laughs> <laughs> this is where I'm obligated to just stop talking. According Fuck. to my lawyers, I'm not allowed to talk about anthology series. <laughs> but yeah, like what? How violent do you want these shows to be? They're about kids. <laughs> Again, go watch American Horror Story fucking Black Mirror these are, I don't know. These are like 12-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. Leave them alone. Jesus. Oh, my God. But yeah, it's um, it's it's a fun, fun show, a fun kind of time capsule. And, you know, fun to look at as an adult since it was something I was like so scared of watching when yeah. I was a kid. To just be like, oh, this is what the show was? Oh, okay. <laughs> it's fine. Did, did Are You Afraid of the Dark have the guy popping out of the coffin? Who's the crypt? No, I'm thinking of the Crypt Keeper. Tales I think there's something else. Tales from the Crypt Keeper. Is that Canadian? Let's find out. The one with the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> Which one's that? <laughs> oh, I wonder. Yes, it's a Nelvana series. Oh, man. Well, I guess we're going to put that one on the well, list. Well, damn it. <laughs> well, shit. <laughs> what was the one with the bugs? The gross one. Oh, fuck. I still remember that one because there's a part in the intro where like a guy gets a bug yeah. put in his ear, and I've never forgotten that clip I, I think that one was called something like i've i've had this conversation i don't know tales. how many times in my my adult life about this show specifically and i know that i've learned this title and i've forgotten it every single time me too honestly freaky stories freaky, freaky stories. stories 
Freaky stories. Is that Canadian? Yep, it is. Wow. Guys, we're turning into an entirely wow. anthology review series, except we can't we can't talk about it too much because it is an anthology <laughs> we, we series. Don't, we don't want to, you know, get legal involved. That's what, what is Canada's obsession with, like, children's horror anthologies? I don't know. The Goosebumps series is partially Canadian, too. Oh, my God. My God. It's too much, man. God. We really hit a niche, huh? I'll have to say, um, uh, a fun fun piece of Canadian media. If you're interested, um, the YouTube channel Pushing Up Roses does some fun kind of recap review videos where uh, she picks apart some of the, the most infamous episodes or some of maybe the, the quote-unquote scariest episodes because they're not violent enough. But Ooh. but they were I found them a, a fun watch as somebody who didn't watch the show um, a ton. So if you're someone who did grow up on Are You Afraid of the Dark, um, maybe it'll trigger some nostalgia for you. Let's give it up for the artist behind the mega hit, Don't Tell Me What To Do. She's sensational. She's inspirational. She is Lily Randall. Give it up, folks. Give it up. Coming back from the break, Mickey is introducing Lily uh, on stage at the open mic, and she's looking beautiful. I love what she's done with her hair. It's like all gently flipped. Um, but she starts and she's right away super nervous and kind of like she's sounding a little bit off. She can't get her groove. And then suddenly like the audience is laughing at her and we get this like weird blurry shot of the audience and suddenly every like she's getting tons of bananas thrown at her. And surprise, it's a dream sequence. She wakes up in, I guess, biology class. <laughs> it's so weird. She says like stupid sticky monkeys. And I guess it's one of those bits where, oh, it just happened to be the right answer to a question because we see this like silent teacher in the background just kind of give her a thumbs up. But that teacher, he did he just looked like another student. He, he looked look old enough. He looks so small. I he's tried so small. he's not credited on this episode on IMDB because I wanted to find him. But he's just like the director's kid or something. <laughs> take your kid to work day. Yes. Take your kid to work to be a biology teacher. Today. <laughs> Um, this is why the science curriculum is failing because they hired a <laughs> child. Yes. Oh no. So Lily's clearly all up in her head. Um, meanwhile, Kim and Robbie have another encounter where Robbie asks Kim if she wants to go to the RFR alternative music thing, and you know, Kim's all like, "Of course not." You know. Um, and Robbie kind of goads her a little bit by saying, oh, the tickets are all sold out, so you couldn't get in anyway. And Kim's like, I can get in anywhere. Maybe I'll go if I can get a pair of earplugs that matches my shoes. But Kim says, I've got to go. My show's on in five minutes. And just as a weird little reflex, Robbie says, mine too. And Kim's like, what? And so Robbie has to do this weird save where he's like, my show I watch with my grandma. It's a soap opera. Chad's going to come out of his coma. And Kim's like, Fuck. <laughs> but we're right back to I don't know how far this goddamn radio station is from the school because he's yeah. still at the school. The show's on in five minutes. Yeah. But we saw I the get... detention episode. It was like a full sprint for him to uh, to get there. And also, what time is it? What time <laughs> is it? God. What, what, what time is it? Because like, cause they do the show and Lily's got to run to open mic after. I don't know. Anywho, we go to the show. And everybody's hyping up uh, the fact that Lily Randall's going to be there and it's going to be great and it's sold out so you should go see it. And Lily very gently is like, well, you know, but if you have homework, maybe go do that instead. It comes first. <laughs> and um, yeah, I don't know. 
Uh, it's really building up to be potentially disastrous for Lily, and I'm worried, but we'll, we'll see what happens at the actual open mic at Mickey's. <laughs> finally get to the open mic the fateful the fateful moment and we uh our intro to the open mic is the mellow grove band and i remember this song like as soon as they started playing it i was like oh i remember this the bob 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 baby cry it's that one it's that one it's the one that goes peep poop and then there's nice voice yes exactly um and so they finish up and lily asks mickey if it's too late to back out because she's freaked out um we get this funny little moment where travis is like man the a&r guy is here like super excited and we just see this guy with like a mop of hair and like a leather jacket and it's, and it's, it's the like, only a&r guy it's the only shot of him that we see and it's such a yeah. weird shot yeah he just <laughs> looks like this gloomy man just sort of sitting there but then lily starts to play and it's it's just like her dream you know she kind of fumbles through the beginning and honestly, she's just kind of nervous. She really hasn't made any, like, mistakes with it. Like, you know, we saw her fumble chords in her first open mic. But, like, immediately Ray and Travis are like, oh my god, what do we do? <laughs> like, it's it's the biggest deal in the world. And then Parker in the audience starts making monkey noises as, like, a, a cue to Lily. And Lily just did, does what Parker said to do and starts playing two little monkeys. And everyone's like... All right, and and they go along with it. She plays like this rock version of this kid song, and it's a crowd pleaser, and it lasts for thirty seconds. <laughs> the, nice. the the big headliner of, of this show. Oh God, that's funny. Before Lily takes the stage, Robbie kind of looks back and he sees Kim with a notepad, uh, writing a review of the show. So the next day at school. Robbie goes to talk to Kim about her review of the show, kind of asks her to take it easy on Lily because Lily's feeling a little bit vulnerable. Kim's basically like, but it's my journalistic integrity and I'll just do, you know, I've got to do what's what's right for me. And Robbie's like, okay. And so he leaves. And then, and then we get a broadcast where basically Kim actually has some really nice things to say about Lily. She, of course, dunks on the whole rest of the showcase. But, um, you know, she says Lily did a really nice job. She charmed the audience, and it was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, and it's it's kind of nice. We get this point where Robbie goes in pretty much immediately after the broadcast. He's like, I heard your review. And she's like, you know what? I understand what it's like to have stage fright. I work alone in a booth. And so they get a nice little moment. Lily and Parker, Lily and Parker have a wonderful friendship blossoming as, you know, Lily's super grateful to Parker for her help in the moment. Um... She says, you know, that's what friends are supposed to do. And she gives like a meaningful look over at Ray and Travis, the two boys who managed to bungle everything. But they have like a weirdly nice moment too, where they're like, man, we really screwed it up for Lily. Let's not do that again. And then they do like a little handshake thing. <laughs> it's, it's nice and weird. And we get all sorts of nice little moments. We get, we get this great like hair swish moment where Parker and Lily are walking through the hallway singing Two Little Monkeys and Lily kind of like dismissively like flicks her hair at Ray and Travis. So I know, I guess we'll see what comes out of that romantic development. The romantic development of flipping your hair at a boy. <laughs> so songs featured in this episode include Finish What You Started by Avery, My Best by Girl Nobody, 
Check Your Message by the Mellagrove Band and Radio Unfriendly by the Yoko Castellanos. Check Your Messages is the Mellagrove Band track. So that's assuming the the one that we hear when they're performing in the the open mic. Yes, the ba 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 baby goodbye. <laughs> we kind of front loaded our Mickey's disc segment because Jody gave us a wonderful summary of them. But yeah, they're still going strong. There's a documentary about them. They look like a Toronto indie like <laughs> cult band. <laughs> I imagine they're probably dressed about the same. And uh, yeah, go check out the Mellagrove band. So if you're not already, you can follow us on social media. You can find us at Podcast Free Roscoe on Facebook and Instagram or Pod Free Roscoe on Twitter. You can also send us an email at podcastfreeroscoe at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the show, what you think of RFR, what you think of Canada things. What do you think um, of me? <laughs> what do you think of me? You don't like me? I just want friends. Um, and uh, if you want, send us an audio clip and we'll put you on the air. So for now, this is Podcast Free Roscoe signing off. <laughs>